Welcome back to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. Our mission is to share what we have learned from our experience and the experience of others to help you make more money investing like a pro. We want to teach you how to create wealth by investing in real estate the Discount Property Investor way. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, visit FreeWholesaleCourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. Thanks for tuning in. Are you new to wholesaling real estate and you want some additional help getting that marketing out the door so your phone can start ringing? Do you need help running comps, analyzing deals, making offers? How about repair estimates? Do you struggle with any of these things? Well, guys, we are here to help. Mike and I have a weekly group coaching mastermind, and we would like to invite you guys to come check it out. It is a phenomenal value. For just a few hundred dollars a month, you can connect with Mike and I, get access to all of our courses, as well as join us on weekly coaching calls where we discuss what is working today in our real estate business. We are an open book. We talk about what kind of marketing we're doing. We do case studies and we answer any and all questions that you guys might have for us on those weekly calls. This mastermind is limited to only a few people. So check it out at dpipodcast.com forward slash mastermind to where you guys can get some more information about this amazing offer. Again, access to all of our courses. Connect with Mike and I on weekly calls. Ask us questions that you have about your wholesaling or real estate business, as well as weekly trainings on what we are doing in our business and what is working. This is like rocket fuel for your business. Check it out, dpipodcast.com forward slash mastermind. We'll see you inside. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. I am your host, David Dodge. My co-host, Mike, is in the field once again, but that's a good problem for me to be having, right? Regardless, today, I'm, I have a special guest on the show. Her name is Tracy Royce. She is the Royce of real estate. I What's going love on, it. guys? Yeah. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Tracy, how are you today? I appreciate you, man. I'm doing fantastic, all things considered. Um, hanging in there, thriving. Uh, not looking forward to the 107 degree temperature today, but I'm, I'm doing great. Wow. Yes, yeah, that's crazy. So Tracy's located in Phoenix, Arizona. And before we jumped on and hit the record button and went live, I was asking Tracy, I was like, how do you do deals in Phoenix? Like everybody and their brother is an investor there, yeah. right? And um, she said, you know, you just gotta, you just gotta be persistent. And I think that that's a good lesson that we can all carry away from this message or this podcast today is just persistence. But, but I'm happy to have Tracy on the show today. I've been following Tracy on Instagram. And if you guys aren't already following Tracy, over on the IG, go check her out. Royce of Real Estate is her handle, and she does big things. So I've, I've just been kind of watching her and following her, and I love seeing some of the transformations that she is doing with her rehab. So 
I am pleased to introduce Tracy. Tracy, how the hell are you today? Thanks, man. I'm so excited to be here. I love how you call it the Instagram. It's like the Facebook, you know? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> We're all up in the social media. That's right. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm doing fantastic. I mean, things have been rocking and rolling, um, you know, with, with, COVID happening and everything that's happening with that, everyone's just asking the same questions like, how is this going to affect the market? You know, as a flipper, how is that going to affect us as wholesalers? How has that adjusted their businesses? And right now, things are still cranking. Um, that's not to say that that's going to last forever. But right now, there really hasn't been a big change with how, uh, you know, this epidemic is affecting it, Phoenix in and of itself for real estate market. Gotcha. So let's, let's take a step back real quick and and let's uh, talk a little bit about how you got in involved in real estate, how long you've been doing it, what are your core focuses? Um, so that so those people that, you know, aren't familiar with the Tracy Royce, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, understand a little bit about her background, where she's coming from. So we know that you are in Phoenix. Um, how did you get started? How long have you been doing it? Where are you focusing? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for asking. So a lot of people, same with you, David, I'm sure they ask, how do you get started in real estate investing? Well, mine was working behind the scenes for real estate investors for the better part of a decade. And what that looked like is I had started off as a loan officer. I, my heart was never in that niche. I just, that was when loans were super easy to get. And they had all these just, uh, you, you know, the types of loans where you don't have to prove anything. And if you could fog a mirror, they'll give you a loan. Well, I never felt right about that. And I just saw that that stuff was happening. And one of my old landlords, oddly enough, had approached me and he said, hey, listen, if you're still doing some facet of real estate, I have about 25 properties and he had a full-time job with the municipality. And he said, if, you know, I need someone that I can trust to help me. And if you want to come work for me as an assistant, I'll pay you X, Y, Z. So I jumped at that opportunity and started working for him. Um, was self-employed and started working for other investors doing the same thing. Well, fast forward for about 10 years, uh, 10 years of doing that. And I was working for one of the largest real estate investors in Phoenix at the time, right when the market was crashing and short sales and pre-foreclosures were the predominant type of real estate. So I got to witness the last recession um, from a standpoint of how to thrive in that market without having to be exposed and just learning and learning and learning and learning and learning. Well, doing that for about a decade, I finally figured I cut my teeth enough. And for the last seven years, I've been doing everything that I did for them, for myself. But my background is in distressed real estate, um, creative financing, creative disposition, thinking outside the box. I do have my license. It's inactive, but I've never really thrived to be an agent, like a, a typical agent. So in a nutshell, I'm, I'm a full-time investor that worked behind the scenes for other real estate investors. And I really would say that that's a great way to get into the industry is to go work at a title company or for related business or another real estate investor as you're learning to do this on your own, not necessarily quitting your full-time job and jumping right into this and doing what the TV shows say to do. So whenever you said that you were working for these investors or investor, what did that look like? Were you at a title company working for them or were you like just on their team or what, can you explain a little bit about what, what that looks like? Yeah, no, it was never at a title. Mm -hmm. It was always directly for that investor. And that could do, that could be anything from doing their property management, helping systemize um, some of their processes and procedures, putting manuals in place, um, just doing things to help take enough off their plate so they can focus on gen um, income generating activities or just taking the things off their plate that didn't make sense for them to do. So doing that for a long time really helped me implement that in my own business as well. But it was always 
just for the investors directly. So you weren't doing any of your own investing. You were just working for them. And how long did you do that for? Ten years. I mean, they would bring me in on deals, and every once in a while, if I would find my own lead, um, they would kind of coach me through it. So it's not to say that I couldn't do my own; I just didn't. And then after you know doing that for about a decade, I finally branched off. So for those of you out there wondering how long it takes before you can quit your full time job, you don't necessarily have to follow my <laughs> my timeline. You know, certainly a decade is a long time. But that being said, I, you know, I am ready and just I feel educated and primed to really be able to teach and coach, um, hopefully help other people what's about to happen, but also take advantage. And I mean that in the most um, empathetic way that it can possibly sound, but really as, an, as a real estate investor, be able to pivot with this, with this environment. Got it. So you did this for a decade helping other investors. When, how long ago did you decide, okay, I want to be the investor? How long ago was that? Uh, let's just call it about seven years at this point. Seven the middle years. of this, middle of this year will be seven so years. You've been really kind of full time for like 15 to 17 years in real estate, but you've been doing it for yourself for seven. I love it. Very, very mm -hmm. cool. So guys, she said it and I'm going to repeat it. You know, you, it doesn't have to take 10 years to get into being a real estate investor. However, um, if you don't, know what you're doing quite yet, or you don't have the capital or the resources um, or the knowledge or the how to, you know, a, the best way to get involved is to go start working with or for somebody else. So like a title company would be a great place to start. I love that. I think that is phenomenal advice. So up to speed here um, on how long you've been doing it. Now you have been doing it full time for yourself as the investor for about seven years. Mm -hmm. um, what is your areas of focus? Now, again, we know that you are in the Phoenix market. I, I'm under the impression that you do all your investing there too, right? I do. So my specialties are pre-foreclosures, distressed real estate. So, you know, distressed real estate, as you know, is sort of encompassing a lot of different flavors uh, of channels of, of types of real estate, but the flavor is all distressed. So that can look like divorce, short sale, pre-foreclosure, uh, foreclosure, probate. It really just falls under that non-traditional real estate hub. So that's more or less what I specialize in. And my business model has been to fix, fix up properties, fix and flip properties. Um, use chunks of those money, use chunks of that money to buy rentals and then create long-term wealth as I'm flipping properties. So, you know, with fixing and flipping and with wholesaling, as you know, we're only as good as our last deal, right? Like it's fun. We get to fix up houses. Yeah. Fixing and flipping and wholesaling is a job. Right? It's a job. It doesn't create any uh, passive, residual, reoccurring, however you want to look at it, income. Um, I absolutely love flipping properties. I absolutely love wholesaling properties. But at the end of the day, I don't even think I've heard you, uh, anybody refer to it this way, but it, it's, 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 it's right on, right? It, you are only as good as your last deal, right? Because you still got to get up the next day and yep. get out there and hustle and you know, work leads to find motivated sellers to get that next deal. So I love it. We, we align 100%. so perfectly with that. Oh, good. Um, so you... Fix and flip and do you do some wholesaling too? I'd imagine it's hard to not do wholesaling if you're marketing to motivated sellers. Well, it is, so the last few years, it hasn't really made sense to wholesale. It's not to say that I won't from time to time, but that hasn't been my business model because yep. in, in, in the ease of me making a phone call to get it sold to a wholesaler, I can use the same uh, you, you, energy to put it on the market maybe change the locks, maybe not, maybe do a couple thousand dollars worth of work to whatever the house needs and just put it on the market and an investor will, 
out-of-state investors or other investors will pay nearly retail, whereas if I had to put it through a wholesaler, they're still needing a discount so they can sell it essentially to the same type of buyer. So that would be a method called um, wholetailing, where you're basically wholesaling it near retail price. So for newer investors, if you're still in a really good market, you could certainly just throw it up on the market, get bids there, and let the highest bidder um, win essentially now, when you put these on the market now you, you had mentioned earlier you're an agent right or no i can't remember well i had i have my license but now it's inactive i used to list some of my own properties but you know just after talking to my attorneys i just i don't want as much liability and i rather have the agents get paid so i do not have my I, my license is inactive at this point got it so you have a different agent essentially help you get it listed are you listing these owner by contract um, I'm sorry, what do you, what do you mean? So, in, in, so that's actually a good question that I need to explain. So I'm glad that you asked. So in the St. Louis market where I live, there's actually an option in our local MLS that will allow us to list a property as owner by contract. Oh, and I've never heard of that. Maybe may a little different. I'm not an agent, but you know, I see that in there. Um, so when you are listing a property, are you buying it first and then listing it as the owner? or are you listing it with your equitable interest in that property via contract? Yeah, so I always take properties down. So I, my, you know, title is vested in, in, in one of my company, in one of my LLCs. However, I do think with what you're saying, having an option and learning options in this environment could be a really good methodology to go to homeowners and say, you know, listen, John homeowner, um, the market's changing really rapidly. And what my buyers are in the market for is changing rapidly as well. Can I get an option on your house to be able to market it to these people for, you know, X amount of days or weeks or months on your behalf? Now, I'm not an attorney. I'm not an agent. I'm not a broker. So make sure that that abides by all local laws. Um, that's my disclaimer. But you bringing that up makes me think that this could be a way if someone's getting their feet wet or if you're a wholesaler, think about using an option. Yeah. So we love the option contracts. Guys, if you are listening, you are watching, um, we actually have an option contract that we'll give you for free over at freewholesalecourse.com. Nice. The option I just agreement. You right up for that, brother. <laughs> you teed me right up for that. So if you guys are looking for an option agreement, go head on over to freewholesalecourse.com. We have uh, regular purchase and sales and options. I think the option agreement is one of the most underrated yeah. tools that a real estate investor can use. I take the transparency approach, Tracy. I like to let the seller know um, as much as possible about me, my business, and how I plan on doing the deal because we do a lot of wholesaling. And you know, when you're buying, you're buying. But when you're wholesaling, you're kind of promising somebody that, that you're gonna buy it and then you're accounting on somebody else. So I like to just make it very transparent, let them know. That way, if something does fall apart, uh, they know that there was that possibility, but I'm not going away and we're going to get it done and we're going to try again. But with the option agreement, guys, it's phenomenal because you're not required to buy. It just gives you the option to buy. So I don't know if, you know, if you're familiar with stocks, but it's very similar. You, you acquire the option to buy their property, but you're not required to. But with that agreement, it gives you the equitable interest in the deal. Therefore, you can then take it, you can shop it legally or that contract to purchase legally, you know, via text message, via email, or in, in some cases, like in my market, you can actually list it on the MLS as owner via 
contract. So it is such a powerful tool. I love it. I absolutely love it. Very Man, cool. Man, you, you just so hit you, fire right there. Well, it, right. It, it, it's, it's worth notating that this conversation is, is better had in this environment. If we tried to have that conversation six months ago where it's like, hey, seller, I'm going to shop this for you. They, they oh, would have laughed us out the front door because things were so stringent due to the, the rate of competition and how strong the seller's market is. But as the market is starting to shift, you have to think more fluidly as an investor to say, what is, what is changing and what solutions or what options, can, you know, no pun intended, but like what options can I bring to the table to offer um, different, uh, different exit strategies for the seller and an option is one of them. So the bigger takeaway of this is what used to work a few weeks ago or a few months ago is slowly shifting guys. So you as a real estate investor, you have to think differently as well, especially if you've only ever been in a seller's market or like what you've experienced in your local market the next 10 years, you got to pivot. You can't be a one trick pony. That is such a good point. I love it. You can't be a one trick bony. You got to pivot. Right. So the option agreement is one of the tools that's in my belt. It's been in my belt for five years, but you are absolutely right. The last couple of weeks, we've really pulled that tool out and just started using the hell out of it. Right. So when and why would an option agreement be a good you know, time to use it or why? Right. Let's just take a quick, a quick break and talk about that. So I like to use the option agreement when there's not a ton of equity in the deal right? Mm -hmm. It's a thin deal, or it may just be a weird deal, right? Um, last but not least, it's, it's probably, it could be a good deal, but it's not something that I want, right? I don't right. buy small properties. I don't buy strange properties. I don't even like buying properties that the rehab cost is going to be more than the purchase price, price mm. right? So those are a couple of the reasons that, that I personally would use an option agreement. So uh, number one, let's just take a quick, a quick example on that. And that was when there's little to no equity, right? Well, let's say that there was enough equity to sell that property and make a couple grand on that deal. But if I have to then go, you know, first buy that property and pay those closing costs and those holding costs and then wait to then sell it, it might not have as much juice, right? It might, it might be. Or any at that point. Yes, exactly. So you can use these option agreements. Now, typically with the purchase and sale agreement, my partner always argues with me, which is hilarious. But with the purchase and sale agreement, you typically have to opt out of that if you can't buy or you won't or you're not able to fulfill. Now, with all of our CYA clauses that we all have in our contracts, one could argue either way, right? But the cool thing about the option agreement is there's no opting out because it basically gives you the ability to buy, right? but you have to opt into that agreement. You basically have to say, I want to exercise my option. So I love the option agreements for that reason. You don't, if you forget about it or it doesn't work, you're not on the hook, right? right. The other thing about the option agreements, and then I'll, let's get back on track here. But the last thing here that I love about option agreements is I usually, when I get an option on a property, I don't ask for like 10 days. Uh, I don't ask for 15 days. I'm asking for like, th like two to three months. Right. Mm, okay. In my option agreement, it's a non-exclusive agreement. So again, guys, go over to freewholesalecourse.com. You can get a copy of it for yourself, but it's non-exclusive. So the way I present it to the seller is, hey, you know, let's use a hypothetical scenario. They're asking 200 grand. Um, they owe, you know, 190. My offer is 140, 150, right? It's way below even what they owe and they don't have any money to bring to the table. So in this scenario, I can say, hey, I can list this property either on market or off market. I need an option to do it. 
And if I'm able to get it sold for you, then it's going to be a win-win. I might make a couple grand. You're going to get the property sold, but I'm going to need some time here. And I typically ask for, you know, two to three months. However, sir, ma'am, seller, if you find somebody else that's willing to buy it and I didn't bring them to the table here, you don't owe me a penny, mm. right? And um, all that I ask is just that you keep me informed if somebody else comes along. I only get paid if I can produce a buyer that buys, right? right. And when you explain it to the seller, it's like, it's like what do they have to What's lose? What's to lose, right? What do they have to lose? They don't pay me anything ever. I make the money whenever it sells, you know, via the spread or even have the buyer pay me some sort of a fee. Right. And call it a commission. I'm not an agent. It's a fee, right? But it is a phenomenal tool. So option contracts, guys, I think we beat that to death, but we love them. They're amazing. It's pertinent. It's they are pertinent. amazing. Yes. Yeah. Tracy, I have to be honest. It's, it's, it's rare that I come across an investor that, um, does marketing and is, you know, getting properties, but doesn't wholesale. The fact that you are closing on these is awesome. Um, but I also think that that might be due to the market that you're in. You guys have a pretty high level of competition. So is that something that you kind of propose to people or, you know, say in, in your sales process, like we're going to buy it. We're not shopping this, you know, yeah, we're going to go sell it after the fact. That's what we investors do but there's no chance of me not buying once I make an offer or give you a contract. Yeah, it has been. Um, but that also has been shifting too with what I want to do or what I will be doing in this market to limit my exposure. So one of the things I'm going to start implementing is seeing if the seller will keep their loan in place. So if I am going to flip much like you, I, you know, our price points are much different out here, but <laughs> I got a little kitty in the way here. Hi there. Um, that's adorable. But, uh, Picking up property that the rehab isn't the, the rehab cost and timeline isn't phenomenal because although we haven't seen prices start to shift here uh, downward, that's not to say that we can't be in a balanced market here in the next two, three, four months. So I don't want to be in a position to where, you know, my rehab's done in four to six weeks and we're putting it on the market towards the end of summer and school starting back up and whatever might happen in Q4 with everything that's going on. There, there's just a lot of uncertainty. And that's not to say like, don't continue to move forward with business, but how can I, she's so adorable. She, she won't, she's persistent. So her little foofy tail it. is getting to me. Yeah. We're just going to go with it. She just wants yeah, to Yeah. Yeah. Why not? So, so you're buying sub two, it sounds like. Yeah. So that's, that's part of what I'm shifting and, and how I'm approaching sellers. And again, that conversation might not have worked six weeks or six months ago, but as the market is shifting, it warrants at least proposing that to people. If I'm like, listen, I, I, I can give you this price, but on the condition that you might need to stay on the loan for the next four months or whatever the timeline is for me to be able to resell this. Here's that's about a phenomenal what strategy guys. If you are rehabbing too, right? Because yeah. you don't have to have the funds to purchase you can take it over, excuse me, you can take it over. Um, you can get the funds from a private lender, yep. your own money, a hard money lender, even a bank to go rehab that property. And typically the rehab, you know, is going to be way less than the purchase price, not in all scenarios, but typically, and it's going to basically make the barriers to entry into the flipping business right. that much easier. I love that. Well, and a lot of investors, I feel like that have been spoiled on what's happened the last decade, they're not going to be able to figure out or have the desire to try to pivot with the market because it seems too scary. So I think that sellers might have less options at this point when it comes to professional investors. And then 
second by the fact that they have been primed to buy or to have investors buy their house now. So all these iBuyers, Zillow, Instant Offer, um, Purple Bricks, all these other iBuyers, it constantly being advertised. You know, I know a lot of agents and investors were freaking out by it, but you know, I wrote something in Forbes saying, guys, this is the next gen of real estate investing. You need to get on board and align yourself with that mentality and what you bring as a value add or your business is going to implode. So with them being out of the market temporarily because of everything that's happening with the epidemic, I think it, it gives us as individual investors more of an advantage. Plus people, you know, maybe a decade ago, you showing up at the door, you know, door knocking and saying, hey, you're in pre-foreclosure, I wanna buy your house. It, it, it was a lot different than it is now. People are, are aware of what real estate investors uh, do, what they do, the money that they make, what they're looking to do with the property. So there's just going to be a lot of advantage. If you educate yourself and pivot with the market, there's going to be a lot of opportunity coming up. Absolutely agree. Love that. Love that. So other than buying sub two, are you doing any other kind of type of creative financing? Are you doing any type of lease options on the front side or the back side or anything along those lines? Or is it typically just um, sellers financing in place? You buy it, you fix it up, and then you list it and sell it. So I'm, I'm going into, it's not to say I won't still fix and flip, you know, that's, that's part of what I do. It's in my blood, much like you. I love doing it. It has to make sense um, moving forward, but also I'm the whole tale. The whole tale, but I'm also moving into more of a cash flow mentality. You know, I've, I've stopped buying rentals the last year or so just because the prices kept escalating and being able to cash flow on those. I just figured kind of wait it out and wait for something like this. So I'm going back into cash flow, cash flow, cash flow. So one of the things that I'll be doing is not only sub two, but working with private investors at a one-off to be able to hold properties and then lease option them out. I don't like purchasing on lease option. I rather the seller have their loan stay in place and then make, you know, my, the, the, dividend, if you will, from the difference of what the mortgage payment is and the cap. The so are you doing like a sandwich lease option or are you, are, so are you buying it and lease option it out? I guess you probably could, right? And or keep their financing in place and then um, lease option it out as well. Exactly. So I guess you could, you could do it multiple exactly. ways there. It, it, exactly. So that'll be the name of the game for me the next, you know, what I'm figuring the next three years, two to three years is basically buying creatively, um, having equitable interest in the property and then renting out with an option to, to purchase later. So it'll be a rental contract. I don't want to get into all the semantics, but yeah, no, no, I get it. Uh, yeah. One of my good buddies, Joe McCall, I don't know if you heard yeah. of Joe or not, but he yep. does a lot of the lease options and, 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 yeah. and one thing that's really creative that he does is the sandwich lease options. So sometimes he won't even buy the property. I think more times than not, yeah. he will sign a lease with them, but a long-term lease, a five-year lease, you know, three-year, five-year, maybe even 10-year lease, right? And then he will then go lease option it out, but he'll have the option as well. So if, if they ever decide to buy, he just executes his buy and just makes the money in the middle and he gets paid in three or four different ways. It's a very, very, very cool strategy. Love Joe. Love that strategy. Yeah. Joe, Joe's the man and his, his approach to this, you know, I think is just going to be more poignant with everything that's going on. Cause he specializes in like prettier houses and really just packaging them. And yeah, his, his buying. Joe and I, I gotta, I gotta drop Gavin in there too. If yeah. Gavin's my, my dude, uh, <laughs> if you're listening or watching Gavin, I, I don't, I'm not trying to leave you out, buddy. Joe and Gavin, those guys are the best. I love there you them. Go. But that is uh, that is very true. Um, it gives you more options. Uh, lots of ways to get paid. You don't have to purchase the properties. You can, you can even buy them sub two, right? And do it through a title company and keep 
keep their name on the loan. There's so many different ways. So Tracy, it seems like you have found yourself a niche of doing wholetailing, um, but you're also kind of pivoting into doing more of the cash flow deals. I love it. Mm -hmm. uh, my partners and I don't do a ton of wholetailing. Uh, we do a little here and there. Well, I we will do... say, so wholetailing really isn't my my main thing. Basically, it's fixing, flipping, and then wholetailing is maybe like a, a very, very, very small portion of that. Got so it. Okay. Cool. Mostly very fix cool. and flipping. So probably cool. the same as you, David, where it's like, you'll do it from time to time, but that's yes. not like your main exit strategy. Got it. Got it. So yeah. fixing and flipping is your main strategy. The wholetail is just a tool in the belt via an option. Maybe, maybe not. Very cool. And then you're, you're moving over into the, um, the cash flow game where you're going to be doing lease options on the exit. I think it's phenomenal and very cool that you have zeroed in that niche. I mean, you know, you have a good plan, right? And a lot of people, they have all these goals, but they have no plan. And it's just a mm. dream to them, right? But you put together a plan. You said, this is what I'm going to focus on. And we're going to get this done. Very, very cool. I absolutely Love it. So let's talk fixing and flipping before we go too long. We got about 10 more minutes. Um, let's talk fixing and flipping. I want, I want okay. to hear, you know, some of the strategies that you're using, what you're looking for. Now, um, you are in the Phoenix market, uh, which, you know, not all the listeners and viewers are going to know a whole lot about that. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about that market as well. But what are you looking for? What are you typically trying to make on a deal? And how are you going about it? Yeah. So I more or less, um, and this came about inadvertently, specialize in entry level and medium price homes, but making them look more luxurious. So what that would look like is- I love that. Cause, yeah, Because yeah. your photos on Instagram have like the coolest transformations, like houses that, like I'm like looking at these before pictures and I'm like, is this even the same right. property? Like, holy <laughs> shit, you made and this thing houses, look amazing. Thanks, man. And these houses are like 200,000 to 250. They're all under 300,000, but it's, it's fun for me, David. So it's fun for me to do extra material sourcing. And especially when there's a smaller footprint, I can afford higher quality That's materials. A great point. It's I easier to look. make it look really nice when it's small, right? Totally. Totally. And, and still within the comps, obviously you don't want to go overboard. It's not my, you know, I'm not making my dream my personal house i'm not falling in love with them to move in but that's still to say like you know people have become spoiled with hgtv and these shows but and again that's that's a good way because it gives me an outlet to do more design on smaller footprint properties that are in an entry level and medium price um uh price point and that as a combination is really just explosive for people getting multiple offers, typically over list price in the shortest amount of time. His tail. <laughs> I know, right? She won't leave me alone. She's hungry. I no, it's like the poop at the end. It's so cute. It's like a little Muppet. Um, but that has been a combination and a methodology that has worked really well for me. So, you know, for those of you that are out there, if you're wanting to get into fix and flipping, one of the things that I would recommend is getting into entry level pricing because affordable housing is really hard to come by. And so to your point about Phoenix market, it is phenomenally um, competitive out here. And with things shifting, you know, just honing in on what are you great at? What are you good at? What can you outsource? But then turning and burning. So sometimes if it takes me a little bit longer on a rehab, on a, you know, $200,000 loan, it's not that big of a deal. You know, me taking extra time to material source, get all my punch list items done, bring your A game. And when that bad boy goes on market, just open the floodgates and get it sold. So if it takes me longer on the front end, I make it up on the back end. 
Um, and I'm typically looking to pull down at least 10% of the full market value and net profit. I love it. 10% of the whole market value and net profit. You're doing houses in the two to three fifty range. I'd imagine something along those lines. Mm -hmm. um, again, very, very good tips and tricks here, guys. Check this out. You know, you can afford to do higher materials in these smaller houses because you're basically calculating this by, you know, cost per foot, right? So if the, if the, the total square footage is smaller, you have the ability to spend a little bit more um, and make your money go a little farther on those materials. I love it. Wait, that, that is an amazing strategy. Let's well, talk a little bit about how you are marketing. How are you finding these deals? Now you had mentioned that you're an agent, but it's inactive and you've been doing this seven years full time for yourself, but really like 17. So you, I would think, you know, all the, all the, the good ways to go about marketing. I'm curious to hear what you are doing currently to yeah. find these sellers and get these. So direct mail was a huge resource for me. Um, I hit that hard for a long time. So that was the large majority of where I would get my deals. I was really bad at asking for referrals. And I will say that I have flipped the switch on how I'm getting my deals at this point, because especially with just having been on my own for this long and the community here, I personally am seeing more of an, uh, of an advantage to use the network that we all have with each other here. Because another thing about, you know, it being so competitive here in the Phoenix market is there's a reason why it's competitive. There's a lot to go around. There's enough to go around. And a lot of us, like we're all friends here, you know, yeah, so it's really become more collaboration over competition. And especially for those of us that have been around for a long time, it's like, homie, if you're still here, like you're in the game, like you're, in, <laughs> you're in it to win it. So let's do some deals together. So I'm looking on Google, the Phoenix population is 1.6 million. So, I mean, you're talking 700,000 houses. Probably, there's, right? there's a lot. Yeah. I think 500,000 houses, let's say. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, there, there is enough to go around. And I was kidding earlier when I said, man, how do you find a deal? That's like, everybody's in Phoenix, everybody's doing it. But at the end of the day, like you, you could triple the number of investors and there's still going to be deals out there for everybody. Right. There yeah. is, there is an incredibly large amount of people that live in that market. My market, I think yeah. is Maybe, you know, it's about 1.2 if you consider, you know, 20 mile radius or whatnot. So we're not that much smaller than you guys, but our temperatures well, are a whole lot less. That's for I sure. Think our, yeah. And that's just <laughs> Phoenix. I mean, the Phoenix, yeah, the Phoenix metro market is like millions and millions of people. So oh, wow. I think there, yeah, there, so there's a lot of homes here. But one thing I will say too, that I hope helps your audience members, David, is one of the reasons why I was able to- 4.8. You were right. It's triple. Yeah. 4.8 million. I didn't realize it was that big. There's a lot of us. There's a lot of us out here. Wow. So with, when you're in a really competitive market, you're going to have, your sellers are going to have a lot of people coming to their door, mailing them, texting them, robocalling them, whatever the case is, especially if they're on some sort of list that has, um, you know, pub public exposure to the fact that they're going through a divorce or getting a foreclosure or something like that. What I was able to not use, that's not the right word, but how I was able to thrive in such a competitive market is that I really personalized a lot of things. My old website was very personal. My mailings were very personal. My messaging was very personal. When I showed up, if someone needed to talk about their life situation for 30 to 45 minutes, you know what I did? Ask them questions and be quiet and listen to them. Because a lot of times the house is just a fragment of the challenges that they're having and you being the solution to that and just being empathetic. And I, I love this approach guys. So I, I got to interrupt. Please. So what Tracy is saying here is that the house isn't the problem 
most of the time. And I have to agree 100%. Now, sometimes the house is the problem and those are the best deals, right? But most of the time, the house isn't the underlying problem, right? It's something else. But selling the house will help them get some money or something off of their back, relieve stress, whatever it might be, that then helps them, whoop, hitting my mic here, that then helps them solve another problem that is the underlying problem. So I 100% agree with you. And I think that that is phenomenal. You have to understand that and have that mindset. That when you're going out and you're talking to these motivated sellers, that the house isn't the problem. It's actually going to be your problem once you buy it. But their problem isn't necessarily, not always, but necessarily that house. It's something else. And that house is just one domino that, that we can help them with to solve other problems in their life. I love it. Well, so you did some direct mail marketing in the past. Are you doing it still? Um, I've, I've essentially cut a lot of my marketing off. I mean, I'm really connecting more, especially now wanting to connect with agents and other investors and people in our marketplace, because especially now, David, I think that there's a big draw for how the hell do we pivot with everything that's going on? And I'm like, Oh, I, I have some, resource that I'd like to share with y'all. And so if I can help with that, I'd rather attract deals than go out and grind for them every day. You know? So if I I love that, that approach, right? So, so I've been in the business full-time five years going on six. I've been in real estate for 15. So similar to you, right? Yeah. Uh, Very similar. I wasn't working for an investor for the first 10, but I was buying rentals, maybe one a year, one every other year. Uh, I acquired eight in the first 10 years. So I was, Oh, that's awesome. I was paying retail, right? Um, I didn't know anything about discount property investing, hence the name of my podcast, right? I didn't know about motivated sellers. I knew there was people that would be motivated to sell, but I didn't realize that there was as many of them out there. Oh, wow. As be, you know, and by becoming an investor and offering, I mean, all we do as, as real estate investors, the big picture is we, we provide convenience in exchange for a discount. That's mm. it. That is Pretty like much. the 10,000 foot view. Another way to look at it uh, in the wholesaler niche is that we are liquidity makers. Mm. We provide liquidity to the marketplace. And how right? important is that right now? And, and, and right now, that is going, there is going to be a wave, a yeah. massive wave of motivated sellers needing to get rid of properties in the next, I don't know, I'd go as far as 18 months out from now, maybe more. So I would say to that point, and I I really want to stress this to your viewers, a couple different things. If you are brand new, don't be afraid to be transparent with sellers. They want to know this, this guy, this gal is showing up, right? Love the transparency approach. Yeah. And there's something to be said about, uh, that's a really good question. No one's asked me that before, but guess what? I'm going to find out for you. And yes, I'm looking to make money on this, um, or I'm going to bring in another investor. Sellers have high bullshit modes. Meters. Yep. Yep. Meters. Thank you. And they sniff it out. And when I was going to people's properties and listening to them and talking with them, yeah, I had been in the business for a long time, so I can couple that with experience. But for those of your investors that are beginners and they're like, well, how, how do I do this? Because it seems like it's shifting. So how do I get into real estate investing? Learn as much as you can, but as people are talking to you, listen to that, be transparent and be a resource and just make a connection with make them. Make a connection, right now, make a friend. Make absolutely. a friend, yeah. Absolutely, because- so whenever I'm on the phone with sellers, like I think it's, I think it's, it's funny because I'm like overly transparent. Mm-hmm. I tell them straight up, hi, this is Dave, or if I'm calling out, hi, you know, my name's Dave, I'm with House Sold Easy, that's my company name. Um, I'm an investor, I don't pay retail. However, I can make it really, really easy to sell your property. Like I mm-hmm. tell them that, I'm, a, I'm an investor, I don't pay retail. 
And I do this for multiple reasons, Tracy. One is, is I don't want to be chasing leads that suck. If they're not willing to give me a discount, it doesn't have to be massive, right? Just at least a slight discount. I'm not the guy for you. I can't help you, you know, so it's just, let's move on. Um, But also it lets them know that, you know, if they are willing to give me a discount in exchange, I can make their life incredibly easy. I can offer them a level of convenience. So can you, that is above and beyond what anybody else can offer them right mm-hmm. now. Right. So that's, that's all we have as investors is, you know, convenience for a discount. And at the end of the day, there's really only like three things that, that we are offering them that makes up that convenience. So what is that? Well, it's cash, it's quick and it's as is, that's it. I mean, it's that, incredibly simple. People try to overcomplicate real estate investing. And at the end of the day, if you come across a motivated seller, they're going to fall into one of those three categories. They need to sell it quick. They don't want to make any repairs or updates or anything. So as is, or they don't want to clean it out if it's filled with shit, they want to leave it. Right. Um, So quick as is. And then of course, being able to pay cash helps speed things up. That also kind of falls into the quick category. Yeah. But let's take a second and look at you know, if somebody wanted to go list their home, you know, the, the time frame in which it would take to close. So, you know, could they sell it first in the market? Sure. But even if they did, which is very unlikely, especially if it's got a bunch of problems, right? Um, it's still going to be 30 to 45 days to close. And that's if it sells day one, which is very unlikely. Right. So typically you're looking at two, three, maybe four months to sell a property um, through the traditional brokerage route. And if the property and, needs a and ton of work, now, it could take double that. It. Yes, exactly. But as an investor, I might, you know, I come in and say, yeah, I can close a deal in seven days, but I'm gonna need a huge discount. But if you want to give me, you know, 15 or 20 days or even a month, I won't need as much of a discount. We can get this done. And a 30 day close is extremely fast. If you are not familiar with the alternative approach, right? Go get an agent. The thing about an agent, and I'm not saying nothing negative about agents. We need agents. Most people don't know what they're doing, right? But the thing about an agent is they aren't guaranteeing you a sale. All they are doing is saying, yeah, I think we can sell it at this price. Let's put it up and see what happens. And that's just, that's, that's the only tool that they have. Well, right. and, and, and coupled with the fact, especially now that if they are saying, okay, let's, they're looking at the top line, what is the full market value? What we would do typically as investors, I'm like, I want to pull a title report. I want to get your payoffs. We're looking at liens. We're, we're getting the full gambit. So that way, before we go to close, there aren't surprises. If those surprises come up, if there, someone's bought in the last few years and there's no equity, what is an agent really going to do for them other than, oh, I don't know, you know, it's typically at least 10% of the sales price and closing costs. I don't have 10% equity. Now what? What are now the what? agents now going to Now we're going to have say? to list it overpriced. So I'm now making promises that right. I can't really, I mean, you can't keep them to begin with. It's all a guess, but yeah, yeah. it makes it even more difficult. So I for the agents, so for agents that are watching, because a lot of times I feel like people get their licenses to become real estate investors. They're like, what do I do with this piece of paper? How do I invest? You know? So if you're an agent watching David's podcast, what I would say is look for the leads that sound like they don't have equity and connect with people like David in your market that don't, that do know how to do creative financing, because you still can get paid on these leads. They might look like crap right now, but just think outside the box because you're going to see more and more and more of them. So start to network with investors, go to local RIAs, go to meetups, watch podcasts like this, reach out on Instagram. Connection is going to, is going to be the next gen of real estate investing. Yeah. So you know what? I was going to say something earlier and I got sidetracked. I have a bad habit of doing that. 
if you haven't not like those. cats walking through yeah. and <laughs> but conversation uh, what going i was going to say earlier you know is um you know i've been doing this full time for five years and when i started i didn't have any referrals like that didn't exist because nobody knew who i was but now that i've built up a you know a, a decent amount of uh, networking, you know, friends, a community, I was, I guess you would call it. Um, we'd probably do 25 to 35%. Some were called a third of our deals are from agents or other wholesalers That's fantastic. that know what we're looking for. So we still have a marketing budget, maybe call it five grand, give or take a month, but a third of our deals are coming in at this point That's from huge. our network. So I think the lesson here yep. is you know, marketing is obviously the place to start, right? If you're, if you're, if you have no network or no deals, you got to start marketing yep. period. Right. But as you start marketing and as you start building up your reputation and the number of deals, people will start to take notice and they'll be like, damn, who's this Tracy Royce on Instagram that's doing these really cool things. I got to get her on my show. Right. Mm -hmm. Perfect example. Perfect example. So they're going to see that, that, you know, you're doing big things and they're going to call you and they're going to say, Hey, I got this deal or I have a house that I need to sell. Are right. you interested? Right. And that's a free lead. Right. So with, you don't necessarily have to have a crazy high marketing budget no. to do deals. And with that too, if you're looking for referrals, cause a lot of people want to, you know, if you're looking to get into real estate, but save money on um, marketing, like you're talking about a big thing with referrals is educate and entice educate and entice, educate and entice. So give a lot of value in way of education. I just did this deal. This is what it looked like. This is what we bought it for. This is how we're going to sell it, but also entice them. I can pay you a $10,000 referral fee. If that's in the deal, I want you to make as much money as possible. I'm not going to cut you out of the deal. Some people will. I hate to say that. I want you to send me more deals. I want us to be homies. I want us to do deals together. I so love your mindset. Tracy, <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show. I want to wrap yeah, up before we get too long. Cool. Um, guys, again, if you are not familiar with Tracy Royce, R-O-Y-C-E, go check her out. Instagram, Royce of Real Estate. She's doing big things out of Phoenix. You don't have to have a crazy marketing budget to do deals. She's proven that. Um, and there's lots of things you can do creatively to allow yourself to either get in and position yourself into a deal or to do more deals. The absolutely. option is one of them. I absolutely love it. Tracy, let's get, let's leave the audience, the listeners, the viewers, um, with one last piece of advice. If they are new to real estate investing, right. And they want to get involved. What can they do? What should be their first step that they should take to, to, to start getting in, into this, this game? Think of it from a perspective of how can I give, how can I help? Not how do I get a deal funded? Where are the deals coming from? Start talking to people. Everyone is feeling the effects of what's happening in the economy right now. People want to connect and people want to talk and people want answers. Even if you don't have all of them, come from a go-givers perspective, be a resource, connect with people like David in your market, get leads, connect with investors, lather, rinse, repeat, and get paid. That's right, guys. You don't have to be an expert at sales. Like I'm working on building a sales course out right now, but I look at myself as like being terrible at sales, but I don't approach it as a sale. Instead, I approach it like, hey, this person has a problem. A, I need to make a friend and build trust. And B, how do I solve their problem? If I don't have the answer, I'm going to tell them. I don't know, but I'm going mm. to learn. I'm going to figure it out. And I'm going to help you in the process. So Perfect. guys, I absolutely love it. Tracy, do you have a website? Um, any type of a course or a coaching program 
that we could point the listeners and viewers to if they wanted more information about you. Obviously, oh, you do, royceofrealestate.com. I'm looking on your yeah. IG now. Obviously, check her out on the IG. I'm going to drop the, the, the IG. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the, uh, all of the Facebook. Go, yeah. yeah, go check her out on royceofrealestate.com. That's her website. What's that all about? I'm going to click on it here while you're Yeah, man, I it. just relaunched that. So there's not a lot of content, but I'll tell you what, May, I have made the mental decision to go into just a, a content, a stream of content because I've typically been so busy on job sites and everything else going on in my business that I get to IG, but I don't do a lot on my website, but now I'm going to be pushing a ton of content. It looks so really good to me. Thanks. I just need to uh, educate, put more education on there. So I like if, the sidebar with the social media and whatnot. Thanks. This is cool. Yeah, guys, yeah. check it out. Royceofrealestate.com. You can learn, connect with Tracy. Yeah. Um, she's got all kinds of good tips and tricks. Hey, Tracy, thanks again for coming on the show. I'm honored to have you. I'm grateful for your time. And we're going to have to bring you back on the show soon. You are jam-packed with gold nuggets. Again, I want to thank you so much. Any, any parting words for the audience? No, I just, you know, I'm excited to be here. And I, I think that there's going to be a lot of people that need our help. So for those of you that are wanting to get into real estate investing, those of you that have been doing it for a while, it's time to retool. So connect with investors like me and David, you know, we're going to have some fun still fixing and flipping houses, but guys, there's going to be massive opportunity. So don't let fear get the best of you. Think forward and let's all do this together. Hashtag build more together. Build more together. I love it. Guys, you can do this. Just take action, all right? Remember, we make our money when we buy. We get paid when we sell. Mm. Thanks for listening, guys. Signing off. Thanks for listening to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe to help us reach a wider audience. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, please visit freewholesalecourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. We would also appreciate it if you left us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you in advance for your support. And remember, you make your money when you buy and you get paid when you sell. Now let's go build some wealth.